Hello and welcome to another episode of Small Town Sports Talk. Uh, I'm host Jonah Freeman. Today, as always, with Andrew Willett. Andrew, how are you? Jonah, doing better than ever. Just super excited. Today's a very special episode because we have our very first guest on ST Squared. He uh, was a college basketball player at Pikeville before he signed for his first coaching job as an assistant for two years, and then he moved to Marshall University where he was an assistant for six years, and then to he was a member of Billy Donovan's staff at the University of Florida where they won back-to-back national championships. That was before he got his first head coaching job at Marshall, then moved on to UCF. He spent a year as a scout for the LA Clippers and has been under Wichita State with Dred Marshall and at the University of Dayton before he got to Stetson University. And that leads us to now where he is a guest on the ST Squared podcast. Coach Jones, welcome. Hey, it's great to be with you, Andrew. Thanks for having me. I appreciate you being on. Uh, first things first, amidst the pandemic and with the current times, how are you doing and how is your family? Yeah, well, thanks for asking, Andrew. Uh, you know what? We're doing well. You know, we're we're enjoying this time together. Uh, you know, as a basketball coach, especially as a head coach, uh, I've been here for a year, but we've been moving around, bouncing a little bit the last couple of years at Wichita State and obviously at Dayton and now back here to Florida. So uh, it's it's we've really enjoyed our our time here. We're we're taking advantage of all the, the moments together and uh, making the best of a of a tough situation. Oh, I bet the family time has to be has to be pretty nice uh, for amongst all the awful going on. Absolutely, it's been good. So with uh, all this, obviously, like we just hit the coronavirus is definitely making an impact everywhere. I think a lot of people had their own like opinions, but what was your initial thought whenever we like whenever you first heard the news about March Madness being canceled? Yeah, well, it's a surreal feeling. You know, still some days you wake up and, and you can't realize that that's happened. Uh, we never thought that something so quick, unannounced, could tragically happen like that in our country, and no one's experienced that ever before. So, with that happening, uh, it was kind of alarming. But uh, obviously going through it now and seeing the, the impact, it was definitely the right decision. And uh, now we just got to, you know, refocus on the next year and look back at this past year and reflect on it and uh, just prepare for the unexpected as we move into a still world of uncertainty here right now in college athletics. Right. And, um, you know, speaking of last year, Andrew hit on a lot of your past experiences, and that has to be helpful. Um you had a big turnaround at Stetson uh, when you showed up. Like, how do you feel your past experiences like led to the improvement at Stetson University? Well, it's really helped. I mean, obviously, you know, you're always asking yourself the question, am I better than the person I was last year at this time? And uh, without a doubt, I've been around some incredible teachers. Uh, I've been around some incredible coaches. And if you're not paying attention and learning from those people, then uh, you've made a huge mistake in your journey. So having the opportunity to, be a head coach for my 10th year and obviously spent 13 years total on the sidelines beside one of the best and Billy Donovan learned some right. from him and had a chance to be a year with Greg Marshall, who's a terrific coach as well at Wichita state. And then Anthony Grant was the Naismith national coach of the year. Uh, that's the highest award any coach can receive. And, and uh, I was with him last year at Dayton and, and we coached together for 
for 12 seasons together on the, on the bench with Billy Donovan. So uh, I've learned a lot from him. And uh, so coming into this, uh, especially after being a head coach of two other programs, this gave me a chance uh, uh, to understand, uh, you know, what needed to be done and the approach from just from an experience standpoint. Right. Obviously, you came in to your first year at Stetson. Jonah has some stats from year one that he compiled where you obviously had a plus nine win turnaround, best turnaround in the country. 16 wins was the most since 2007-2008. The most wins away from home since 1994-95 season. Obviously, you had a terrific year in your first year at Stetson. What kind of team are you trying to build at Stetson University? Well, I'm really excited, you know, uh, obviously, uh, Andrew, to have a chance to uh, take over a place where I think has such an incredible upside. Um, uh, they've had some tough years in the past, and, uh, and and there's so much potential there. Incredible academic school, beautiful campus, located in uh, a beautiful area here right outside of Orlando, Daytona Beach. So, you know, we just needed to, you know, put some consistency together, uh, breathe some life into a place. And um, in, in a blueprint that we put together, I think with some kids, we brought in eight kids this first year and uh, just tried to create an expectation and loved on those kids and demanded from them. And they really responded uh, in, in a big way. And, and now we return, you know, six of our top seven guys. Uh, we had a lot of freshmen that played. Five freshmen played a lot of minutes for us last year. We started three of them. And then we're excited about our recruiting class. You know, we're adding – a total of six new players to go with the seven coming back. So with that, I think we got a chance to build some depth and just continue to, to move the needle in our culture uh, next season. Right. And uh, with everything you just said, I remember watching the uh, the semifinal game against Liberty. Obviously, you had a young team, and I think that had to have hurt a little bit. But at the same time, like you just said, looking for the future, you guys battled with an extremely veteran-led Liberty team at home in a pretty crazy environment. So, like, in your mind, how do you think that helps? You know, you had Rob Perry that struggled throughout that game. That's a lot of experience. How do you think that helps to go with the new recruits that you're bringing in to have some of that experience now this year? Well, you can't put a price tag on experience, and you have to go through it no matter what we say and, and what we've been through as coaches. You know, your players, got they got experience it. So uh, I know those guys – gave us all they had. Liberty's an incredible program. And, you know, they've won 30 and 29 games the last two years, graduated five seniors off that team. And I know they're going to continue to always be good uh, with the players they have coming in. But from an experience standpoint, for us to have a chance to be in the game with that group uh, was, was huge for us. But we're so close. Uh, shot here, you know how basketball is. You know, we were fortunate we had a big victory over – them at our place uh, earlier in the year. And so we just had some bright spots, little victories that we'll build on with our program and continue to road these guys. Coach, uh, what are your expectations for the team as a whole for next year and uh, for Rob Perry uh, heading into a sophomore campaign? Yeah, well, Rob's a really talented kid, a new coming in. You know, he played at a pretty high level uh, at the high school he went to. They'd won a state championship there. And, uh, and obviously had a very good career. Um, so, you know, Rob is definitely uh, was a big bright spot. Freshman of the year in the conference, second team all conference. Uh, really, really improved throughout the year. 
I think like a lot of our freshmen, we got tired down the stretch, just demanded so much from a group of young guys that's never been there. And Rob will improve in this offseason. He loves to play, a great competitor. So uh, obviously we'll have high expectations for him as being one of the leaders of our team. And and then obviously Big Mo coming back. Uh, Mohamedou is a really talented big kid that will give us some some experience too. He played a lot of minutes for us along with some other freshmen. But, um, but you know, there's a lot of still uncertainty, unknown. Uh, we did it. It's kind of snuck up on people. People will look at us differently. The approach will be different towards our program next year. So we'll have to step up and be at a different level uh, to be able to compete in night in and night out. Right. And I think the biggest thing you just said was the fact that people have to look at you a lot differently because going into your first year at Stetson, you're picked last in the conference. And I think you really opened some eyes in a tie for third. And like I mentioned, you know, you battled with an extremely good Liberty team. So you, you mentioned you like your guys you're bringing in. Like we know one of your recruits, Josh Smith, we're good friends with him. What do you personally look for when it comes to bringing in recruits? Like what attributes do you like the most? Yeah, that's a great question. Well, you know, obviously, you know, we got a lot of things we look at. You know, obviously we're excited about Josh Smith. Uh, we've had a chance to watch him when we first got here and watched his development and, and watched his growth. And uh, he continued to grow his, his height as well as his game. And uh, he's he fits the culture we're looking for, no question. But, you know, there's four, four things that stand out for me in recruiting. First of all, the person, the four Ps we call it. Uh, the person, who are you? Uh, that matters to us. Obviously, got to have talent. Uh, even during my days as a scout with the Clippers, I mean, we evaluated people as well as talent. And so, you know, character has a huge factor for us. There's a lot of things integrity-wise we look in there, what kind of student are you, what kind of person are you. Uh, we really do our research to see if you're going to fit our culture based on a person. Second thing is process. You know, how, how do you learn? Is this, are you somebody who can pick up things? Are you somebody that can we, we really feel can grow you and teach you and, and make you better? Uh, the other thing is pace. Uh, you know, how do you play? Uh, are you able to play the style of play? We'll, we'll press. We'll be able to have multiple position players, like Josh Smith can play multiple positions on the floor. You can stretch him and shoot threes. You can post him. Uh, his guard skills is what he had until he grew six or seven inches. Uh, so his size and versatility makes him perfect for how we play in our pace. And the last thing is production. I mean, obviously, you know, where they fit role-wise, what did we need? You know, what position can he play for us? Uh, and, you know, how will he produce in that role? And I think we try to, you know, I look at it at the teams we had at Florida and we won back-to-back -back national championships. And we had a lot of guys that, that fit those four P's and they understood their role and their production. We had five guys average double figures back to back years and guys just, just gave you whatever was needed at the time. They were so bought in. So production's key obviously as well. So the four P's is kind of how we really look at things uh, when we look at for kids that fit Stetson way. 100%. Yeah. Uh, we're going to talk about Josh Smith right now. Obviously, Jonah said he's he's one of our buddies. Um, he, he's a six-eight forward out of high school, Monrovia in Indiana, and he he's been one of my best friends ever since we were both little. And trust me, he was not always as tall as he is now. How do you go and find a small-town kid like Josh Smith to come play for Stetson? Yeah, well, you know the the beauty of sports is uh, word travels fast, connections. 
Mm. Um, there's there's been people uh, in your area, and there's a guy uh, that's an incredible person um, who who coached him, Derek Williams, who's an AAU coach for Josh for six years, and uh, Derek went to school at Stetson. So he was one of the guys who kept reaching out to me when I got the job, telling me about Josh. And and at the time, we were trying to sign so many 19 players because we had so many scholarships. Uh, it was kind of hard to put all my focus on that class. But once we fulfilled those needs, I started focusing on Josh, watched him from afar, got to know him, came down for unofficial, come down for an official. And, uh, you know, I just really felt we connected. I love his family. Uh, I love what he represents. I love his upside. Uh, I've coached several kids like him in my past. Kids that's played in the NBA, Chandler Parsons, kid named Matt Bonner, Mike Miller. It's been a lot of guys that that fit his uh, type, demeanor, and his work ethic. Josh is just getting started. I think his upside's through the roof for him, uh, where he can get to. He's dedicated, wants to be great. And I think that's one of the P's when we talk about process is, you know, his ability to learn uh, is, is exceptional uh, for what he can bring to us here at Stetson. Right. And um, speaking of, like you just said, and Andrew just said, you know, Josh can play a lot of places. As far as your roster build this year, what kind of team would you like to see on the floor? Like what kind of pace, like with the weapons you have, who do you see where? Well, I think the beauty is you're able to adapt and adjust with some depth, uh, you know, whoever we play, some teams we play go undersized. We can go smaller. Uh, we can, we can play big with bigger teams that we'll play on our schedule. Uh, I just like the versatility, uh, the guys can pack, catch, shoot and handle, uh, like that we can wear people down, uh, with pressure. Uh, I love being a pressure team, just not defensively, but offensively how we approach it. And I think now with some depth, uh, and where your team really gets better is in practice. You know, now practice becomes exceptionally competitive. You're bringing in five or six guys that could potentially start at some point uh, with guys who did start uh, coming back. So with that, uh, spots uh, will be competitive. That's how you get better. And then that really prepares you for game day. Oh, yeah. Competition, huge for just building a program. Absolutely. And I think that's the key. And with all these kids were signing like Josh are incredible competitors, but also great teammates. Yep, Coach. Uh, I, I kind of want to – you mentioned it. Experience is very important. And you've you've had some just phenomenal experiences as a coach. And I kind of want to run that back a little bit. You graduated from Pikeville and immediately got into coaching as an assistant there. When did you know you wanted to become a coach? And who inspired you to get into coaching? Yeah, great questions. I, you know, I've been blessed. Uh, even as a young kid in high school, I knew I wanted to coach. I've always had a passion for, for basketball. I love sports, but basketball become a love for me. Uh, grew up in a small town in West Virginia, a place called Point Pleasant, and I just uh, went a lot of guys that played basketball. But for whatever reason, that was something I did. Went to a lot of camps in the summer as a kid. Went a lot of AAU during my time. But I had a uh, a college player that played at Marshall who was my my hero, a guy named Greg White, uh, who was a great player there. And, and I, was, I got to know him at a basketball camp when I was 12 years old. And we stayed in touch. And he became the head coach at Pikeville College uh, my senior year. And I was his first signee as a point guard. I went there with him, played four years. Uh, had some really good seasons. It was a rebuild there, too. 
And uh, that's where I learned a lot uh, from him. He, he's one of my best friends to this day and uh, had a good career there, got inducted into the Hall of Fame, and he kept me as an assistant. So from there, you know, I had a chance to really uh, grow, learn. Uh, he's still been one of my mentors to this day, and that's really inspired me. And I've always known, even since I was 12 years old, that when I was done playing, that I wanted to coach at some level. Hmm. Right. And you mentioned earlier, you know, you've coached under someone like Billy Donovan, who phenomenal coach. You won two national titles with him. Um, but not only the coaching that you've been around, but you've been around some great players, you know, Al Horford, Joe Kim Noah, Corey Brewer, Hassan Whiteside at Marshall. Uh, you've coached MJ's sons, Taco Fall. You know, like when you look at your roster now, how do you take a look back at past players and incorporate them into trying to build your program? and build your players and help develop. Yeah. All those kids and all those names you mentioned, you know, I, I learned as much from them as they probably did from me. And uh, anytime you coach kids that are high fevers and, and highly competitive, and uh, uh, it's always a, uh, it's a great learning experience. Uh, but, but I think as we mold this team here now, uh, all those guys walked in the door uh, with my name only, and they've kind of evolved into who they were. So, you know, I always say to these guys, you know, who'll be the next guy. Uh, everywhere we've been, we've had success with kids, and, and uh, it's the ones that don't really embrace what we're trying to do, the buy-in, the believe-in, to want to be great. And, uh, you know, hopefully these kids could make their own legacy here. That's the beauty of this whole situation is everything we've done. There's a lot of things that have never been accomplished here at Stetson. So you got a chance to walk through the door and, and put your name on a program. And so when you do that, people pay attention no matter where you're at. So name is uh, – Name has value, but it's all about production at any level. So as, as Hassan Whiteside did for me at Marshall, uh, he was an unknown, uh, but after his freshman year, he was one of the top big guys in the country because of opportunity. He embraced the work ethic. He embraced the buy-in. And obviously a very talented young man, he just needed to, to grow himself in a different way on and off the floor. And uh, now you're seeing him reap the benefits from that. But a lot of those guys I've coached have just had incredible love for the game, very resilient, and uh, a great passion to want to be great. Obviously, you coached uh, the back-to-back championship Florida Gators. Uh, what was it like coaching for that team? Uh, how did you handle all of the NBA talent at practice every day? Uh, who was the leader of that team? Yeah, good question. Yeah, I don't think we had one leader. That was what made them so unique was – you know, there was only one McDonald All-American on that team. And the rest of those guys were, you know, highly rated players. When I say probably top 100 to 150, but none of them were uh, super supers coming through the door. So great humility uh, with those guys. They wanted to fit in. They wanted to buy in. They wanted to, to win. Uh, they didn't care who got the credit. It was a magic in the bottle. We talk about all the, our lives and coaching, you know, what would be the perfect team to coach. And, was there adversity with that team? Absolutely. Were there bumps in the road? No question. Part of your climb to the mountaintop is always, and part of your success is failure. And so failure, if you handle it the right way, it becomes a stepping stone to the top. And that's how those guys embrace that. So uh, the leader on that was somebody different every night. Uh, Al Horford was a leader in his own way. Joe Kim Noah was the emotional leader. Uh, Torian Green uh, was the competitive leader sometimes. Uh, Lee Humphrey was the quiet kid from Maryville, Tennessee, who was one of the best shooters in America. He didn't say much, but he led with his consistent attitude and, 
and compassion every day. So they all brought something different, uh, but they were all on the same page together and they were committed to excellence and, and, and trying to do something that hadn't been done at Florida. And they did that and created a legacy that'll last forever. Right. And uh, like you just, like we have all talked about, actually, you know, the players you've coached, um, it's not very often that you can tell people that you've coached the possible greatest of all times children. Uh, so I, I got to ask, you know, with the last dance going on, do <laughs> you have that one cool MJ story? Um, yeah, good question. Yeah, I'd say probably, uh, you know, the coolest MJ story probably that I got is uh, obviously having a chance to know him in a different role because he was a dad, uh, right. just like me. And uh, he loves his sons and, and uh, respects his sons. His sons love him. And, and obviously, um, you know, he came and, and would call up respectfully and ask if he could come to practice. And so that was interesting, you know, walking into practice and, you know, they're sitting in the corner is uh, Michael Jordan, you know, for two and a half hours watching you coach the team, never saying anything, just smiling and taking it in. And, uh, and my, uh, at that time, my son was about, he was probably about three, four years old, probably four. I think he was four years old, my son, Isaac. So he, he still knows like any other kid who Michael Jordan is. So I just remember him not knowing Michael Jordan was sitting in my practice and, uh, he comes yeah. walking in, you know, he's got his Jordans on and has no idea that Michael Jordan's sitting in my practice. And, uh, <laughs> when he walked in, it's like, it scared him to death. I mean, he yeah. took running and hiding behind the trash can and peeking around it. He could not believe that Michael Jordan was sitting in practice. Amazing. So, so I just think, you know, you know, Michael, you know, that day we spent a couple hours in my office just talking and about his kids. He always wanted them to be held accountable. He wanted them to be pushed just like the competitor. He is no different. Uh, very complimentary of what we were doing in practice and what we were, how we were coaching and, uh, he'd come and set up top uh, in a skybox suite, you know, away from the crowd and uh, come to the games and, uh, you know, just very proud of his kids. But, but I think, you know, just really listening to Michael and uh, he's, he's one of us, you know, even though he's had greatness, uh, he's, he's got humble beginnings and become who he was. And he evolved into who he was through competition and raising the level of his play and mindset to the challenge. And that's the key. Uh, he, he wasn't born with greatness. He'd become great. And I think that's an incredible message as we're watching on all these uh, Last Dance specials. Right. So you've been watching uh, The Last Dance, obviously. Uh, what else have you found yourself doing now that we have all of this time on our hands just at home? Well, this has been an incredible time for me. I, you know, I love, I've been watching a lot of podcasts. So I've been on this um podcast and videos and clinics and zoom calls since 9 a.m. this morning. And so I have been watching coaches across the country. I've been on a lot of, I just did a clinic with a hundred coaches that we had uh, online. Uh, so we have just been doing a lot of connecting, a lot of learning. Uh, this is a time to really reflect and grow ourselves as coaches. And if anybody's not using this time to grow themselves, they're missing it. And I think we don't ever get to take a breath and reset and, and focus on us because we're serving so many kids and people. So during this time, I've really enjoyed, I get up early and, and read and watch and learn and grow and, 
And uh, this has been an incredible opportunity for myself and I'm encouraging my staff to do the same here so we can really learn without the distractions of having to be out and about all over the place. Coach, I'm glad to hear it. Uh, but I, I've, got, I've got a question real quick. I'm a huge Celtics fan. So I have to ask you about your former player and current two-way player for the Boston Celtics, Tato Fall. I've heard he is very cerebral and incredibly smart both on and off the court. Uh, how did you recruit him, and what is Tato like? How was your experience yeah. with him? Well, that's a uh, that's a long, long conversation. But to sum it up in so many words, obviously come down to, you know, I identified Tato at a very young age, going into his sophomore year when he had moved outside of Orlando and, and um, got to really know Tato as a person, uh, really got to share a lot of time with him on the phone. And it wasn't just about basketball. He's got a beautiful mind. He's an incredibly intelligent person. He really come to America to be an engineer. That's what his mom wanted him to be. He wanted to get a college degree. Uh, he had a great host family that really looked after him and uh, really protected him uh, from all the, the craziness in college basketball sometimes. And they allowed me in the door, built trust with that family. And, and, and obviously they were looking for a place to land him uh, where he could grow as a person first, where he could get his education second and third to make that had a chance to gain this trust and develop him as a player. And so at the end of the day, Taco had about 75 high major offers and uh, humbly chose us at UCF, which I thought was incredible, you know, for him and the school. And uh, he graduated, uh, had incredible uh, uh, four years there. And the last year, uh, you know, he, he took UCF there with a lot of those kids that had recruited to play against Duke and almost upset them. And uh, now that was Taco, a great game. Yeah, great game, great game. So Taco's doing really well. I talked to Taco a lot. And, you know, he's just really uh, developing there. He's really getting to learn how to be a big guy in a big man's league. And having being a two way situation is good for him because he gets a chance to go play and come back and also see what the NBA is like. But I know they love him in Boston. I've did more talks. With, uh, from magazine to ESPN to everybody 60 minutes the other night. I mean, he's um, obviously a unique individual. Uh, God made him special and unique for a reason. And not just cause he's seven, six, but just this guy's mind and soul and spirit is exceptional as a person. Oh yeah. There's so much more to Tato than just his height. And uh, I'm, I'm pretty excited to see uh, where he ends up in Boston. Coach, I've got one more question. Uh, terrific high school seniors like Jalen Green, Isaiah Todd, and Deshaun Nitz have either decommitted from college or just forgone their decisions to sign with uh, the NBA G League. And news came out, came out today that players can officially make money off of endorsements, social media, personal businesses, and appearances. Do you have any opinion on the introduction of money to the college game or the NBA stepping in? Yeah, well, I think that's a big discussion. I mean, I really think that, um, one, uh, those kids should have that right and opportunity. Uh, I think it's great that the G League's providing a landing spot. A lot of those kids have been going overseas in the past and playing as well. But I think if you're a kid that's, uh, you know, will come to college for six to seven months and you're not really bought into it, you're just going because you have to. It's the gateway to the NBA. Uh, I think that they should have the opportunity to go and play somewhere. Uh, you know, you look at college basketball, how many of those guys have walked in like that who have been a one and done and has really taken their program and won a national championship in one year? Uh, not many, if you look at it. 
So obviously we, you miss those players being in college and bring excitement, but also at the end of the day, the college games will be fine. Uh, I mean, it's, it's built on a lot of other things. So I think it's a great opportunity for those guys that can get paid legally and have a chance to go and, and really have a good, uh, uh, building block and it helps prepare them differently. You know, our college game is so different than the NBA, so different. So it takes them a year. I know being a scout when we were, you know, recruiting for the Clippers, there's such a transformation, even though you come from college to go to the NBA, you have to learn the spacing's different, the shot clock's less, physicality's different, the lane's wider, the three-point line's deeper, the game's four quarters, uh, the pace is completely different. So you have to learn how to play the game again. And so with that, when you go to the G League, you're going to learn to play immediately. So it could really translate for the guys who are those pros to have success. The college game, obviously, you can see today they put in some things, going to give some opportunities for kids to make some money off their likeness and different things. I'm all for that. These kids should be rewarded for what they do and who they are. And, and uh, you know, schools make a lot of money. Uh, with these kids. I know these kids get a scholarship, which is phenomenal, uh, an incredible opportunity, but there's so many other little things that some of these kids can't provide for themselves that it's really hard with the rules the way they are to, to give to these kids that don't have much uh, to be able to just get through on a daily basis. Right. And you had mentioned um, that you, obviously you have a lot going on still during this time and we don't want to keep you much longer, but we do have one more thing that we like to call the 60-second speed round. I have a couple questions, just kind of fun questions, and we're going to try to get through as many of them as possible in one minute. So are you ready? Ready to go. All right. Timer starts now. Uh, who is your favorite current NBA player? Wow, that was quick. LeBron James. Favorite all-time NBA player? Larry Bird. Uh, go-to like pregame meal and snack? I uh, drink coffee and a protein bar. All right. What is your favorite non-basketball sports team? Non-basketball sports team. Um, Cincinnati Reds. All right. Uh, what is your favorite movie? Favorite movie is The Greatest Showman. All right. Uh, favorite <laughs> song artist growing up? Favorite song artist, Led Zeppelin. Favorite shoe brand? Nike. Uh, favorite non-basketball activity? Uh, tennis. Um, who is your favorite guy to be around on the team as far as funny-wise goes? Funniest. On our team? Yes. Um, favorite guy, Mo. Big Mo. All right. That's going to do it for 60-second speed round. Thanks, Coach. No, thank you. Coach, that was perfect. We, we want to thank you so much for your time. We know you've got to be very busy right now. Um, but again, best of luck to you this next season at Stetson, uh, best of luck this off season, hopefully getting things underway sooner rather than later. And, uh, just thank you so much. No, that's great. I mean, it's great to be with you and Jonah and I hope you guys, we can get you down here to the sunshine, come down and see Josh. All right. We'll have some tickets on you. And uh, we'd love to invite you down here to see the Hatters play here this year. For sure. For sure. Thanks so much for joining us, Coach. Thank you for having me. Yep, and that'll do it. Uh, thank you to our listeners. We appreciate those of you who do tune in. And I think that's going to do it. So thanks again. Thank you.